Amen. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. Hey, Hope Ottawa. Missed you so much. And so glad to be back. I was having coffee with my wife this afternoon, and she just see, she saw me twitching, the excitement building, and she said, what's up? I said, gathering as the church tonight. I love these people. I've been praying for you, and it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so thankful for the Great Commission Collective and the faithful preachers that have come over the last few weeks to bring God's word to us. Man, that's a gift. Do not take that for granted. Pray for Pastor Steve, Pastor Paul. What a joy it is to be in fellowship with them. And happy new year. I know you're like, hey, you're two weeks late on the draw. I said, in the, I said to our pre-service prayer team, the new year is kicking off for me tonight. All right, so bear with me. Happy new year, Hope Ottawa. I firmly believe by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that he's not done building his church and 2022 is going to be one of the greatest years of ministry yet. Amen? Let's go. So here we are kicking off the new year with a new series in the book of Jonah. Let's open up to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 to 6. And this series is entitled, Lord willing, over the next five weeks we'll be in Jonah and it's entitled, A Portrait the portrait of God's grace. Now, you hear Jonah, even the kids out there tonight. Hey, kids, eyes up here. You guys know about the book of Jonah? Just put your hand up if you ever heard of the book of Jonah. You know, with the whole whale, right? And then he's running. Absolutely. This is one of the most well-known books in the entire Bible. It's in every single kid's Bible. Hey, kids, make sure you're bringing your kid's Bibles every week because Jonah's going to be in them. All right, make sure you bring them. Jonah has a little bit of everything. You ever realize this? Jonah's got a little bit of everything in it. It's got massive storms that we're going to look at. It's got a huge fish, miraculous fish. It's got a massive evil kingdom that is bent on wickedness and destruction and sexual sin. It's got literally, in the book of Jonah, it's got plants literally springing up out of the ground and then withering the next day. It's got revival on different facets of that. It's got a book of revival, and it is the story of an unwilling, stubborn, disobedient prophet Running from God. Jonah is the story of us. And it is the story and the picture of God's relentless grace. Pursuing him and orchestrating all these events to bring Jonah back. To save the lost and to build his kingdom. 
But if we're going to appreciate the theme, the main theme, the thread all throughout the book of Jonah, these four powerful chapters, we have to get on the same page, loved ones, about what God's grace is. What we mean when we say God's grace. Forget what we mean. What God means when he says his grace. You'll see it on the screen. Write this down. This is crucial. Get your pens. I hope you have your Bibles open, your journals open. Let's go. God's grace is this. Ready? God's undeserved favor. God's undeserved favor displayed towards me and motivated by his love for me. There's God's grace. Lock it in. Memorize it. God's grace is God's undeserved favor displayed towards me and motivated by his love for me. You see, loved ones, here's what we've got to understand. It's not God and then grace. God is grace. Say that with me. God is grace. Oh, I love hearing your voice again. Okay, just one more time. God is grace. Come on. God is grace. And because God is grace, think about this. Let's, let's get some sound theology here. Because God is grace, it means he is always gracious towards his creation. Otherwise, he would be in contrary to his very nature, and he can't be. Because God is grace, that means God is always gracious towards every part of his creation, and he demonstrates his grace in everything he does. Now, why is that so important for us to put on the table as we kick off this series and this year, 2022? Here's why. Because Jonah faced the same problem that you and I face today, and we face it every day. You can't escape it. Here it is. Guaranteed you faced it today. Here's the problem. You and I rebel against God and reject his grace. Let's say it again. The problem you and I face today and will face tomorrow and the next day and the day after that is that you and I rebel against the Lord and reject his grace daily. We flee from him when we should follow. You did it today, so did I. We flee when we should follow. We often don't cooperate with God in obedience to his word, his call, do we? Or we follow his word, but reluctantly. Well, okay, God it tells me to humble myself, but I don't want to. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside in my pride. There's a reluctance in following him, or we serve him with a bad attitude. It's the, well, I have to, instead of, this opportunity to serve the Lord is by his grace, I get to. I don't deserve it, one bit. And like Jonah, we run from God, reject his grace, and ultimately, if not repented of, we face the consequences of that. We face the consequences. And we are desperate for him, whether we realize this, whether we express this or not, you and I are desperate for God to pursue us by his grace and bring us back to him for the sake of our own souls and the souls of those around us. We are desperate for God to be pursuing us by his grace. That's why the title of this kickoff message is this, The Pursuit of Grace. Get your pens ready. Get them ready. Bible's open. Here's the big idea we're going to write out today. See it on the screen. God pursues you by his grace 
You must trust him and follow him. God is pursuing you right now by his grace. And you must trust him and follow him. Let's get our context of this beautiful book. It's written in 760 B.C., approximately 800 years before Christ. And it's most likely written by Jonah when he got back from Nineveh. And Jonah is the fifth of 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. The 12 minor prophets finish off the Old Testament, and he was a prophet in northern Israel, and he comes from a place called Gath-Hefer, which is near Nazareth. How do we know that? 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25 tells us that, and you'll see it on the screen. This is where Jonah's from. There's his home. That's northern Israel, right by Nazareth, maybe about three miles away from it, is Gath-Hefer. Now, aside from this book, we don't really know much about Jonah's ministry in Israel. We get a few hints, and we know that he had been ministering at this point for some time already. He'd been walking with the Lord. Here's what that means. Jonah had seen God's grace on display. He had seen God's mercy. He had seen God's kindness poured out, and his love and power and the performing of his promises. Jonah had seen it. And here's the thing that's unique about Jonah. See, up to this point, Jonah is the only case of a prophet being sent to a foreign Gentile nation to deliver God's word against them. He's the first one. There had been other prophets that had prophesied against different nations, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, etc., but they were doing it from their home field advantage in Israel. Jonah gets sent out. No more home court advantage for him. And this book is a masterpiece. It literally is a masterpiece. The way it's written, it's beautiful, and it's a masterpiece of historical narrative. Now, some people, some it's called textual criticism, they will look at this and say, Jonah's too far-fetched to ever be true. Maybe that's some of you tonight. It's just way too far-fetched. Well, that, that's not true. It's not a work of fiction. You say, how do you know that? Well, you just need to look at Matthew chapter 12. Write that down. Matthew chapter 12, verses 40 to 41, where Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Word of God himself, affirms the veracity, the truth of the book of Jonah when he says, I am the sign of Jonah. Think about what he's saying there. If Jonah's not true, Jesus is like, I'm basing myself on a fictional story. That's not going to work. Everyone say, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. He affirms the veracity of the book. And, and this book reveals how deeply, oh, I pray you are so encouraged, convicted, and strengthened in your faith as I have been in mine over this past week. It reveals how deeply God cares for his creation. His heart on display. And it tells the story of Jonah's call to preach repentance to the kingdom of Nineveh and his refusal to go and his rejection of God's grace and God's pursuit of Jonah to bring him back. And here in our text today, these first six verses, we're going to see three truths of God's grace. Three truths, loved ones, that we must believe if we are to faithfully respond to his grace, obey his call, and live faithfully on mission for him, especially right here in 2022. 
No question. Ready to go? Jonah. Let's open our Bibles. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. And we're going to read it together, verse by verse. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Let's go. Jonah flees the presence of the Lord. Let's read it together. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. It has Evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Hear the word of the Lord and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's go. God pursues me by his grace. And his call of grace is always this. Ready? God's call of grace over your life and mine, over Jonah's, over these sailors right now is this. Follow me. Follow me. The word of God is the grace of God. I'm going to say that again. The word of God is the grace of God. It's a gift of grace from God. Do we see it like that? Or just some duty to check off? The word of God is the grace of God. Are you remembering this? As we launch into 2022, are we remembering that God's word is God's grace to us? Massive. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. See, the book starts by Jonah hearing the word of God and being commissioned. This is Jonah's commissioning day. He's being commissioned to go to Nineveh and to call out against it. That means to proclaim Against it, to shout out a warning. What was the warning? Nineveh needed to repent. Nineveh needed to repent because the wrath of God is coming against them due to their, notice that, just look at the text, their evil ways. Evil there means wickedness, their moral corruption. Now let's be, let's, let's be clear. This, it says there, had come up before the Lord. See, he says it has come up before me. Well, Let's be clear on something. God always had his eye on Nineveh. He knew exactly what was going on. It's not like he was focused over here, and then he's like, well, I didn't see Nineveh going out of control over here. No, he always was aware of the situation, but the situation in Nineveh wasn't getting any better. It was only getting worse and continuing to degenerate further and bring them closer to destruction. See God's call? See God's grace towards Nineveh right here? What did he do? He sent a prophet to warn them. God's warning for your life and mine is not a condemnation. It's his grace. 
There's the call of grace. His call of grace is, Nineveh, repent of your sin and follow me. Now let's understand a little bit more about Nineveh, because we're going to be camped out here for much of the rest of the series. Nineveh uh, was a monster, literally, in size and scope. It was 500 miles from where Jonah was in Israel on the Tigris River. You'll see a map there. There's Nineveh. It's in a place, a province, an area called Assyria. 500 miles located on the Tigris River. Now, Nineveh was not some little township on the outskirts. Nineveh was what's considered a royal city. A royal city, one of the largest in the world, and it was actually the capital city of Assyria. It was 600,000 people. He's pulling Jonah off his home court advantage and sending him to the intimidator himself, Nineveh. And, and here's the thing we have to understand about Nineveh. In today, if you're wondering, like, okay, well, what, where's Nineveh today? Why don't, why doesn't it exist? It's actually made up of parts of Iraq and Syria and Lebanon and Turkey and Saudi Arabia. It was huge. It was huge. And it had walls. Nineveh had walls, monstrous walls that were intimidating. They were eight miles long surrounding the inner city. Eight miles long, and the rest of the city, which was 60 miles in circumference. You'll see pictures. These are the gates of Nineveh. This is one of the most recent pictures we have of them. That's the entrance. You, would you be intimidated by that? Yeah, I love it. Kids, faith of a child, love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to Nineveh. And Nineveh, here's the thing, it wasn't like they were going to welcome him with open arms, Jonah thought. Nineveh was known, here's the reputation, for its cruelty and violence. It was known for it. It was known for its worship of pagan gods. Remember, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, which means it's the center place for pagan worship of two main gods, the god of war and sex called Nanshi, the fish goddess, you start to see how God's going to work this out, and also the worship of Dagon, which is a god of, which was supposedly a god who was half man and half fish. Here's the thing about this, Israel hated the Assyrians. They could not stand Assyrians, and especially Nineveh. They were a Gentile and pagan nation because not only was Assyria the main enemy of Israel. You start to see why Jonah's a little maybe not wanting to go here. Not only were they the main enemy, but Israel thought they were superior to Nineveh because Israel were God's people. We're God's people. You're a pagan nation. They looked down on them. Jonah's like, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to those dirty people. I'm not going to those rebels, those pagans who dishonor you. He's discriminating based on where they're from, based on their race. Here's Jonah fighting this battle of discrimination. And, and loved ones, it's sad to think that this mindset permeates our culture today, isn't it? And sadly, even in the people of God at times. I'm not going to minister to them. They don't have a vaccine. 
They're a different skin color. They got a different background. They're just going to stay away where it's way more comfortable. It permeates today, doesn't it? Help us, Lord. And so live in the text. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes. How would you respond to God's call? Would you look at this as a call of grace on your life? God calls you to go to your greatest enemy. How are you at going to your enemy when someone hurts you? Would you see it as God's grace over your life? The call to go? How would you respond? Put yourself in Jonah's shoes. Let's not get down on Jonah. Let's, let's live in the text. Would you doubt that this is... This call is an act of God's grace. I mean, you've seen his goodness. You've experienced ministry success. And you've witnessed God's power and his provision. And you've witnessed his word being fulfilled. All from the comfort of Israel. All from your comfort zone. All from where it's easier. Where you know things where things are. Where there's people that you know and they know you. And you've got position with them. And now he's taking you out. See, let's be honest. Oftentimes, these are typically the things we think God's grace should look like in our lives. Prosperity, comfort, convenience, position, status. And we may not admit it with our lips, but every time we disobey, every time we grumble, every time we complain, you're saying just that. I don't want your grace, Lord. But now, that's what Jonah's seen before, but now his grace doesn't look like those things, does it? It pulls Jonah right out. God tells you to do something you don't want to do. He, wants to, he tells you to do something that's hard to hear. Hey, question, loved ones. Has God ever done that through his word to you? He gives you, you're reading God's word or you hear a sermon preach or a brother or sister in Christ love, who loves you so much comes and corrects you through his word. You ever heard that? And you're like, ouch, I don't want that. You ever get defensive? Welcome to Jonah. It's hard to hear when that word pokes our pride. When things don't look like we want them to. When it's not convenient anymore. To run with my schedule. When God's word calls you to something you think you didn't sign up for. Jonah's like, I didn't sign up to go to Nineveh. I signed up to stay comfy in Israel and have my way and do all that. You know, I didn't sign up for Nineveh. You ever feel like that? I didn't sign up for this, God. Listen, the moment you received Jesus Christ, you signed up for it. Something maybe calls you to, maybe right now. Bet you didn't call to live in the middle of a pandemic, did you? I didn't. But he's called you his and brought you here in this season. Maybe he's called you to something in it that you're afraid of doing or uncomfortable doing right now. You're worried. You're fearful. You're anxious. Or maybe he's called you to go to a place you don't want to go to minister to a people who you don't even like. Would you go? Would you count the cost? Would you leave it behind? careful how you answer. He'll take you up on it. Would you see this as God extending his loving grace towards you and his mercy? Would you? Would I? And would you follow him? 
and believe that it's his best for you and out of his love for you. Because he sees the whole picture and you and I don't. See, there's two calls going on here. Did you catch it in the first two verses? Two calls. Number one, the call to Jonah, an act of grace. To serve the Lord wherever he calls you is an act of God's grace that you do not deserve, neither do I. And the second call is the call to Nineveh, God's grace, warning them to repent and confront their sin, hindering them from knowing his grace and love. And both are his gracious call through his word to follow him that they may have life in him. That they may have life. Question, the word of God is the grace of God. Are you remembering this, loved ones? Or are we defending ourselves against it? Are we remembering the word of God is the grace of God? As you read his word and you hear his call, his call to obey and to follow him even when it's hard. Even when when forgiving that person is so difficult because they've hurt you so much, do you see it as an act of God's grace to free you from the slavery of unforgiveness? When it doesn't look like you thought it would, when going into 2022 doesn't look like you want it, do you see it as God's grace over your life? When it involves trial, when it involves sacrifice, when it gets hard, it's his grace to you out of his love for you. He sees the whole picture. He knows what's in your heart better than you do. And he says, follow me and I will lead you to life. As you hear our commission today, just like Jonah's commission, what do you say to Jonah? Go. Go. Jesus Christ has given us our commission today, the great commission. He says, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't be afraid, church. Don't be afraid of what's going on out there. Go and make disciples. I am with you to the end of the age. Just like he was going to be with Jonah. But Jonah, instead of heeding the commission, wanted to run. Do you? Do you? When it's not popular, Jonah's message was not going to be popular. Go to people who are different than you. People of different races. People of different vaccine statuses. People of different socioeconomic status and ages. When it pulls you out of your comfort zone. Let's be clear. You see it on the screen. God didn't save you so you could serve him on your terms. And that is so life-giving right there. The realization we understand God's grace. God didn't save you so you could serve him on your terms when you think you're ready. He calls you right now because he he knows he's ready to work in and through you in that avenue. Jonah's like, I'm not ready for this. I'm running. See, any opportunity we have to get in front of God's word, and I hope you are every day, loved ones. If not, start tomorrow, start tonight, abide Apart from him, we can do nothing. You will not stand firm. Any opportunity we have to get in front of God's word and follow him and serve him, whether in front, whether behind the scenes, whether doing what we thought it would look like, whether doing what it doesn't think, what we didn't think it would look like, any opportunity we have to follow and serve him is only by his grace and mercy towards us. You and I didn't earn it and we do not deserve it. 
whether that's here in the church, his call is to step up and be a part of the body of Christ in serving one another. Jumping on a service saying, well, it's COVID and my job and all this stuff. Jump in and God will take care of it. Loved ones, today, when you go home tonight, fill out the applications needed all over the place as we launch worship ministry. All over the place. Sign up. It's his call to serve in the church. You don't have to wonder. He's called us clearly. Jump in. Don't reject it. His call is to follow me. He is pursuing us through that. Do not reject it. We don't deserve it. So where do you need to remember this today? Personally and here in the church corporately. Where do you need to hear or have heard the call of grace and you need to follow? See, God pursues me by his grace and his call of grace to you right now, guaranteed based on the authority of God's word, right where you're sitting, his call of grace to you right now is follow me. Not, I'll let someone else follow you. It's you follow me. Let's go. But sadly, sadly, even my own life, we often hear God's word, but we reject his grace. And it leads to our rejection of grace, saying, when God says, follow me, we say, nah, not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. It's for someone else. See, to disobey God is to reject his grace. I'll say it again. To disobey God is to reject his grace. Hey, question, loved ones, let's just come clean before the Lord, okay? Where are you running from him? Where are you running? Like, I know God's word says that, but. I know, but if that person would change their ways, then I wouldn't complain. Where are you running? See, look at verse 3. But Jonah, he hears the call of God. He rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. See, after hearing his commission to go to Nineveh, Jonah responds. You see that right? So clear right from the text. Let's read it again. Not, he responds not with obedience to God's word, but with rejection of it. Rebellion to it. How? Why? What did he did? By leaving northern Israel... And heading to Joppa. Joppa is modern day Jaffa. And you'll see it's a port city on the Mediterranean. You'll see it on the screen. There's, hey, anyone want to go to visit Israel? You look at that, huh? Yeah, <laughs> come on, minus 27. Hey, no. All right, see, there you go. We want, I want to go to Jaffa again. It is beautiful over there. That's Jaffa. And what does he do? He boards a ship heading to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish isn't just like, some random, just take me anywhere. Tarshish was specifically chosen by Jonah. It actually, Tarshish was the farthest known place you could go at that time. It's the farthest you could go. It is located on the southern coast of Spain, and it's known for its wealth, affluence, and comfort. You'll see a picture right there. Show us where that is. So there's Jonah. He's supposed to go to Nineveh. He's over there in Joppa. He's running. He's headed to Tarshish. Exactly. Amen. Darshish is over 3,000 miles in the opposite direction. Not even like kind of down a little bit and over. It's like straight in the opposite direction. 3,000 miles. He's committed. Where's the farthest place I can go and get me there? But notice this. Darshish was known for its comfort. 
It's affluence. You want to run to Tarshish today? You want to run? You want to head to Tarshish? You want to board the ship? It's known for its wealth, the ease. And notice something in the text, so sad. You see there, in the last, one of the last sentences, it said, so he paid the fare. He paid the fare. What does that mean? Jonah took the money that God had entrusted to him and paid to sin against him. Let me ask you a question. Where are you paying the fare? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Where are you paying the fare to run from God? Using what he's entrusted to you to rebel. To embrace what God calls sinful. And it says here, he flees. The word flee there, circle, it means to run away and escape from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's not just trying to duck him for a time. He's getting out of there. The clarity of this, the presence of the Lord. You say, wait a second, hold on. Good theology tells us you can't ever run from the presence of the Lord. Because God is omnipresent. Which means he's everywhere. You can't run from him. So what is he talking about? Shouldn't Jonah know better? Oh, he knows better. But the term there, the presence of the Lord, circle it. This is a Hebrew phrase that means that Jonah, and symbolizes that Jonah is wholeheartedly unwilling to obey God, to serve him, and is in wholehearted rebellion against him. I'm running. Forget it, God. You ever dug in your heels? I'm not doing it, God. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm fleeing from your presence. Hey, what we need to see from this, this very sobering truth, you'll see it on the screen, is this. When you reject God's word, you reject God himself. He's fleeing from the presence of God. God's word is part of who he is. When you reject God's word, when you're like, ah, it's no big deal, I'll get around to obedience later, I'll deal with that sin later, you reject God himself. When you run from God's word, you run from God himself, and you run from his grace, and look, we're about to see the seriousness of it, loved ones. We don't play around with sin. We're about to see the seriousness. Hey, how do you think it's going to go for Jonah? How do you think it's going to go for you and I? Our flesh likes to deceive us. Sin always over promises and under delivers. How do you think it's honestly going to go? Running from the grace of God and God himself. See, we see the consequence. In verses 3 and 5, there's a term here. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to circle this. In verse 3, I want you to circle the term went down. Circle that. Go ahead. Circle that. Verse 3, went down. And then again in verse 5 where it says gone down. Whenever you see, hey, good Bible reading right here. Whenever you see repeated phrases or words in the text, pay attention. The Lord wants to bring something to your attention. Why does it say he went down into the ship? Why does it say in verse 5 he's gone down into the inner part of the ship? Guess what? This is a Hebrew phrase that is also used in Genesis 37 and all throughout the Psalms. That means he's going down to death. How do you think it's going to go running? It's, he's going down to destruction. And it shows what this, hear this, what this shows so clearly is that each step away from the presence of the Lord 
is one step closer to going down to death and destruction and devastation. For believers, the devastation of our intimacy with him and our intimacy with our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we're about to see, Jonah's sin does not just impact him, but everyone who he gets on that boat with. But for if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you are going down away from the presence of God, even now as he is calling you by his grace through his word to follow him, and we reject that, we're moving one step closer to eternal death in hell. That's as serious as it gets. Jonah's going down. He's a man on the run. He's disobeying God and he's going down and so will you and I. So will you and I. That's the only place sin can lead. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. It's the only place the rejection of God can lead. And today, hey, have any of you noticed? I don't know, over the Christmas holidays, I try to get off social media and do all this stuff. Every once in a while I turn on the news. Did, did it, will you agree with me that it's just getting harder to live as a follower of Jesus today? Have you agree with that? And you feel maybe fearful that you want to run, hide, get to where it's easier? See, the temptation is increasingly to run from and reject the Lord to flee to the Tarshish you think will make things easier for you. I'll just flee the country and I'll go to a different country with it. Where do you think that's going to lead? To fit in with the world. Flee to Tarshish. It's just easier. If we just compromise on doctrine and we compromise on theology to soothe and assuage the world, then we'll be okay. There's our Tarshish, right? Rather than standing firm on God's word and allowing the truth of God to be our compass and to follow him no matter what the cost. Man, we love our Tarshish, don't we? It's too hard where God's called me. I want to go back. This is why Jesus in Luke 9, 62 says, you cannot put one hand on the plow and look back and call yourself a disciple. It's so easy when things don't go our way. We're like, well, I want to return to where I think I had it better. Don't we make it up to be so much better in our minds, even though when we were in it, we're like, man, what else can I get? We do that all the time. And even though Tarshish, hear this, loved ones, I pray you're so encouraged and challenged by this tonight. Even though Tarshish seems more desirable, here is what is crucial to see. You'll see it on the screen. It is always infinitely better to follow God to Nineveh than to run to the comfort of Tarshish. It is always infinitely better to follow God to Nineveh the place you don't want to go, to do the thing you don't want to address in your life or in your marriage or in your parenting or in your family than to run to the comfort of your Tarshish. And the truth is this, we need to see from verse three, you and I will never know the comfort, the power and provision of God's grace by running from him, only by following. To disobey God is to reject his grace. Where are you running from? Let's, be, let's come clean. Even in your notebooks right now, Lord, I'm running right here. I know. I know that's not right. I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm saying. I know how I'm speaking. It's not right. Where are you running? Saying, that's not for me, God. Means of grace in my speech, that's not for me. Striving for purity through Jesus Christ, no, 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 that's not for me. Let's open up the computer. Striving for not... 
pure speech and not gossiping and grumbling or not living in fear. Well, no, God calls me to faith. That's not for me. I'm going to live in anxiety over here. Or dependency on him. No, that's not for me. I'm going to control my circumstance over here. Or, or to wait on something. You're seeking the Lord for it. No, 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 that's not for me. I know what's better. I'm going to run. I'm going after it. Wait on the Lord. This is for someone. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage and wait on the Lord. Wait. Don't run to your Tarshish that you think will be so much better and so much more comfortable. Wait on the Lord. Where are you running from him saying it's not for me and not sharing your faith? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? We get scared sometimes. Fearful. What if I share my faith to my coworker and they reject me? What if I, we don't want to run to that Nineveh. We run like Jonah to our coworkers, our classmates, our family, people that are hard to love. Maybe we're making excuses for not walking in obedience. Selfishness, not generosity. Apathy, not fervency. Man, apathy is plaguing the church across this nation and across this world today. Where's the fervency? Come on, church. Let's go. In the gossiping, in the grumbling, in the lust, in the gluttony, in the idolatry of comfort. Listen, without repentance, we are going down. Loved one, here's the Lord's word to you today, right from his word. Stop running. Stop running today. His grace, his love is waiting for you. Stop running. I'm going to say it again. Eyes up here. Stop running. Stop. His grace is waiting for you. But you will not know it without it. Stop. God pursues me by his grace, and his call of grace is to follow him. But my rejection of grace says, that's not for me. God says, follow me. I reject him and say, that's not for me. No thanks. And God, out of his love and grace, look how he responds in verses 4 to 5 as we take it home. Responds in verse 4 to 5. His response of grace says, return to me. I'm not bailing out on you. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not done with you. Return to me. Sovereign grace will respond to your rejection. Sovereign grace will respond to my rejection. Will you return to God? Even tonight, will you return where you are running? Look at, look at four in the first half of five. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Verse five. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. See, here's what one commentator said we need to realize right from this. This grace chase has now begun. Jonah's men on the run, and the grace chase has begun. Here comes the Lord saying, return to me, I'm not letting you go. I'm not going to watch you destroy yourself, Jonah. I'm not letting you go. And one, one commentator said it this way. He says, rebellion never escapes God's notice. That little sin, you think, oh, it's no big deal. It never escapes God's notice. And it is foolish for men to think they can resist God's will without consequence. 
the Lord may let a man go to a certain point before he steps in. But when he does step in, he moves with no uncertainty. And as Jonah continues to run from God, notice what it says there in verse 4. Circle the all caps, word of Lord. There's specific mention of that name for a reason. We'll get more to that next week. But it says the Lord, that is Yahweh, the creator and sustainer of all things. The one who has all sovereignty. The one who absolutely is. With all power and authority, he extends his sovereign grace in love towards Jonah and the sailors right now. And what does he do? He pursues Jonah to bring him back by in an act of sovereignty. Would you think this is God's grace? Hurling a tempest. Allowing a storm. A trial. Do you see God's grace there? He creates a tempest. Now, we're not talking about some tropical breeze here on the coast of Jaffa. You'll see a, a picture of this, a description. There's a tempest. How's that working? Would you look at God's grace out of that? Is that really our picture of what we mean by God's grace? God's undeserved favor? Really? He hurls a tempest. That means the word tempest there means whirlwind. It means swirling of water, huge waves, lightning, and actually a hurricane. This isn't some little rain shower. And it threatens, notice the text, it threatens to break up the ship. See, God is allowing, don't miss this, God is allowing them to get to the breaking point. Do you notice there where it says that they threaten, the ship threatened to break up? He's allowing them to get to the breaking point if that's really where you want to go. Jonah, you want to keep running there. I don't force my will on you, but I'm going to let you get to that breaking point. If that's what it takes, if you're so committed in your rebellion to run from me, I'll let you get there. You want to try it your way? Okay you got to understand, these were merchant ships. They were built for rough water. They knew how to withstand a storm, but they notice this, they're no match for God. All of man's expertise, no match for God. And notice verse 5. All of their mastery, their experience and skills, they're no match for the power of God. And what happens? They become very afraid, and what do they do? They start crying out in desperation. They're praying. They're praying each to their own gods. Small g emphasis in that verse 5. Who are ultimately, how's the, how are the gods doing to deliver them? Is it getting out of the issue? No, it's not happening. All those false gods they're crying out to, just like today, are powerless. They are powerless. And they're, notice, what they, notice what they're doing. They're trying to ride out the storm. Oars, rowing. Rowing, rowing to the point of breaking. Just keep rowing. It's going to break up. They're trying to ride out the storm with their own wisdom and strength. They're like, okay, the gods aren't working, so now it's up to us. That sounds familiar. God's not working, so now it's up to me. So look what they do. Just go to the text. They start chucking cargo. Like, get this thing off of here. All these things that the world says are so valuable and you can't do without. Guess what happens in the space of the sovereignty of God? It is powerless to deliver you. 
all of the stuff, all the material, all the bank accounts, all the housing, I'll just get my ducks in a row and I'll cling to this, I'll run to this food. Chuck the cargo, church. It's not going to help you. I'll just pad my resume. Chuck the cargo. There's only one who can deliver you out of the tempest. Loved ones, hear it. Stop running. It's time to chuck the cargo overboard, the goods, the possessions. To, and they're doing this to try to lighten the ship and steer it and keep it from sinking. How's that working for them? Is that stopping? Is that stopping things? Is that bringing them the peace and deliverance they're after? Relying on their own effort, wisdom, and ways, crying out to false gods that can't deliver them, goods and possessions that are absolutely worthless. Hey, question, how does this work for us today? Any different? Any? Everyone just go, no. It doesn't work any different. Our God hasn't changed. Our self-effort, our possessions, our status, the drugs and alcohol we go after to deliver us, the praise of man we want so desperately. Chuck the cargo! We hold it in such high value. The government's decision. Chuck the cargo! Who are you calling out to in the tempest of 2022? Only one can deliver you. And so where's Jonah? We see this is all happening. To the what happened to Jonah? Let's go to the back half of verse 5. We'll find out. But Jonah, so all this is going right here on this tempest right here. All this is going above deck. Where's Jonah? Jonah had gone down. Oh, there's that term again. That's not good. Into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, O sleeper? In Hebrew, that's the same as saying, what are you doing? Shaking Jonah. Yo, wake up, man. What are you doing? Arise and call out to your God. Notice they're not recognizing Yahweh as the true God right now. He says, you call out to yours. We're calling out to ours, and it's powerless. Now you call out to yours. Perhaps the God, not the true God, not the only God, the God, one of many in their eyes right now will give thought to us that we may not perish. Isn't it sad as we look at this? Isn't it so sad, loved ones, that pagan sailors instinctively call out in prayer and instinctively care about the lives of those around them who are perishing? But God's own prophet goes to take a nap and is indifferent. He's asleep when he's the only one who could share the hope that they have to live. Are you asleep today? You know, I was reading one of these studies that came out and it says there's this thing called pandemic brain. You heard of this? Pandemic brain. It's just like confusing and you always just feel kind of sluggish. And oh, I just want to get through the day. Where's the alertness? I'm not, I'm not going to serve with fervency right now. I'm just going to do my own thing. Are we asleep? So much of the church is asleep today. And there's sailors all around us. Lives that God loves perishing. Are we napping? Have we gone below deck? Because here's the reality. You have to link these two things. Jonah rebels and he tolerates sin in his life. Without repentance, and guess what the impact of sin does? It hardens your heart to the heart of God and to love who he loves and to go after them. 
So the first thing I say, when people say, I'm just not feeling fervent right now. Are you repenting of your known sin? Or are you repenting of just continuing on in it? Jonah went and took a nap. And the pagan sailors cried out to their gods. And he stayed asleep. That's a challenge for us today, church. A big challenge. Where's our fervency? Wake up, Romans 13 says. Wake up. The night is gone and the day is at hand. Be alert. Spiritually alert. Don't be indifferent to the perishing of the people around us and to the impact. Jonah's totally indifferent and oblivious to the sin, to what the impact his sin is having on the others on the boat. Do you notice this? You think that sin is just between you? You think, well, no one sees me when I'm doing on the computer. No, it's just between me. It's my thing. It's impacting everyone who has a piece of your heart around you, whether you realize it or not. It's never just you. It's like it's not with Jonah here. And rebellion against God leads to indifference to him and indifference to the lives of those he loves because it becomes all about you. You see, one of God's purposes for sending the storm was for Jonah to call on his name and return to him. We'll see that right in verse 6. Call on your name. And a pagan sailor leads him to do, <laughs> encourages him to do that. But God will use it for so much more as we will see next week. But here's what we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen. Write it down. God did not send the storm to destroy Jonah, but to restore him. You think, how's that gracious? How's that loving? How's that merciful? It's just hard. I'm at the breaking point. God is not allowing that to destroy you, but to restore you. Will you call on him, loved one? And we'll see the sailors too next week. The storm was an act of God's love, an act of God's grace, an act of God's compassion and mercy towards these men. And God, out of his love and grace towards us, listen, listen, will often withhold what we want. I want Tarshish. I want this. And he will withhold what we want to give us what we need. What, does, what do we need the most? We need him. We need him desperately. Whether you realize it or not, your greatest need in your life right now is not a job. It's not a girlfriend. It's not a spouse. It is the Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ. He is your greatest need and mine right now. At all times, in all things. And you and I, whether we realize it or not, are absolutely desperate for him. Moment by moment, day after day, week after week, year after year. In 2021 and in 2022. And he's using this right now to show us that afresh. The cargo's been chucked. Jobs have been lost. Money is gone. Freedoms that social freedoms that we enjoy are gone for the most part. And yet God's like, I haven't gone anywhere. Return to me. Church, return to me out of your slumber. And if we continue, loved ones, to run from him in our pride, you'll see it on the screen. He allows us to get to the breaking point to bring us to the restoring point. That's it. He's not gonna, God's not a dictator. He's not going to force his will. But he allows us to get to the breaking point to bring us to the restoring point. Listen, 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 right here. If you remember nothing else, remember this. God's plan A for you and me is our desperation for him. His plan A is desperation. His plan B is devastation. You want to run in your sin? You want to go there? I'll let you do that for a while. 
but I'm pursuing you. You think you can make it for a while. It's not going to happen. It's going down. God's plan A is desperation, crying out to him. His plan B is devastation. Sovereign grace will respond to your rejection. Not to destroy you, to restore you, loved ones. Will you return to God day by day? God is pursuing you by his grace, and you must trust him and follow him. Stop rejecting him and return. And there is only one that can calm the storm and deliver you. The one who has created and sustained all things. The one who is giving Jonah the tempest right here. And only one who has all sovereign power and authority. The one who hurled the wind and stirred the tempest. And who's that? Jesus Christ. The great I am. The son of God. The savior. The Messiah. Will you stop running from him? Tonight, I don't know where you're at, but where you need to stop running, will you stop running from him and call out to him? Just as we sang earlier, will you call on the name? In repenting of your sin and confessing him as Lord and Savior, believing that in the greatest act of God's pursuing grace. The tempest wasn't the greatest thing. The greatest act of God's pursuing grace towards you, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. The Son of God, fully God and fully man to come to earth to pay the penalty for your sin on the cross that has you under God's wrath right now if you are not saved. The same wrath we're seeing on display here. And God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin on the cross and offer you forgiveness of sin and salvation that you may not perish in hell for eternity apart from him. No matter how far you run, you say, I'm too far gone. I've been to church my whole life and just rejecting this whole thing. I'm so engaged and in bondage and sin. Hey, eyes up here, ready? Ready for some good news? You and I cannot outrun God's grace ever, period. And it's never the end of the story. You and I can never outrun God's grace. Isn't that good news? God will pursue you because he loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for you. And he wants to reveal himself to you and that you would find your greatest enjoyment and satisfaction and strength and peace in him. He's calling you by his grace to follow. Will you call on him? And brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've made that decision, hey, let's be real. Right from the text, will you repent of your sin? These so-called small g gods you're calling on. Where's the cargo that you need to chuck that you're depending on for your status, for your hope? Where do you need to chuck it? And will you recognize God's grace towards you and return to him? Stop playing. Stop running. And declare, yes, Lord, I am done running. You are for me. Strengthen me by your grace. I repent of this and I will follow you. Thank you for your pursuing mercy and grace over me. Where do you need to do that tonight? Do business with him. Don't wait. And I want to encourage you in this as Joel comes up here in a moment. This last song has been specifically chosen to do this right here. Ready? Feel free to sing. If you'd like, feel free to stand, but feel free to stay seated. This is a chance, an opportunity for you and I to do business with the sovereign God. And it's a song of reflection. And I just want you to extend your heart and your hands tonight, right here, and say, God, I've been running. 
Where is that for you? I've been relying on these things. That cargo isn't chucked. That God, I'm still crying out to. Extend your heart and hand and say, thank you for your pursuing mercy and grace and love for me. That I cannot outrun you and I repent. I repent of what? Put it before him. I want to return. I want to return to you. Grant me the strength to follow you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, such a, such a powerful word, so clear. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are here in our midst, working, moving, convicting, strengthening, encouraging. Lord, we are running. We are running from you. And God, I pray right now, would be no condemnation for those who are in you and have been saved in Jesus Christ. But I pray we would readily return to you. That area in our marriage, that area in our hearts, the grumbling, the desire for self-glory and status instead of your glory, the lust, the idolatry, the running after the goods and possessions of this world is our greatest love, our jobs, the fear of man, our unwillingness to go to those that are perishing around us where we are sleeping and apathetic and not fervent. We have heard you call us to serve you in this church, outside of this church, and we have said that's not for me. Lord, I pray right now there would be just hearts of repentance and healing and just that we would know a fresh grace. Your so good mercy to us that never fails. Your love for us that you say, return. Return. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.